Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 7. I am burning with this. It's not a super long message, but I have a lot in me. So I want everyone to turn your, to your Bibles. Get your Bibles out. Come on. If you came to church, that means you want to receive from the Lord. And you want, you, hopefully, if you got away from church, you don't want to leave quickly. Joshua chapter 6. Actually, no. Joshua 6 verse 27. Then we're going to jump to Joshua 7. Now, I've been on, a, I think, a two or three month journey of just highlighting um, specific characteristics and watch this, principles. Say principles. Of godly men and women of the Bible, of Ruth, of, of Naomi, if you remember that, if, uh, of Gideon, and the, the lessons we learned there. We le- le- learned two weeks ago when I uh, preached on Joshua that the strategy, listen, and I got a lot of amens on this. It was a revelation to some of you. We all know the story of Joshua getting around the wall and knocking the walls down through the Lord. But what you didn't know and what a lot of people didn't know, it was the strategy. The story is they went around the wall and then the walls flat, fell flat. The, but the strategy was not walking around only. The strategy, which was a revelation to many of you, was walking around those big, ugly, intimidating walls in their lives and not saying a word while they did it. In other words, when you face walls, I'm giving you a review, walls in your life, the tendency is to speak negatively because of the walls in your life. But we always hear the story of shout, for God is giving you the city. And then you hear Joshua saying, you shall not shout until I tell you. That means, could you imagine for seven days facing this wall and not saying a word? That's a lesson that we learned two weeks ago that our mouth could cancel a lot of things when facing the walls of our lives. I didn't hear another amens on that. But if you've ever had walls or hindrances in your life, the first temptation is to speak negatively about that wall. And, that, and, the, and the Lord says, don't say anything until the seventh day. Now, why do I say this? Because there was great victory. Say great victory. I'm going somewhere with this. There was great victory where we pick up this story is right after the walls fell. They invaded uh, Jericho and they took the city. They burned the city and they took the city. And there was an endorsement from the Lord about what happened. And I want you to see what happened the very next verse after the first verse that we all need to be, pay attention to. Because if we're not careful, oh man. See, I, I, I'm going to give you permission to say amen, okay? We could park in our success and lower our guards down and open us up for something worse. Some of the worst attacks in our life comes after, come after great victories. Watch. Joshua chapter 6, verse 27, New King James. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his reputation spread throughout the land. That's a pretty good endorsement. He, they just walked around the, 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 the walls for seven days. They just shouted, and they, the walls came down. They invaded everything. They spared Rahab, the harlot. But there was a a specific instruction. Man, I could preach on that just alone. We we need to be careful that we don't get so exuberant in our our expression that we feel that just because we jump a lot, lot, around a lot, or, or, or have a lot of victories, that we still don't be obedient to specific things that the Word says. So there was a specific instruction. The Lord says, hey, look, this is your city. Go get it. Just don't touch 
the gold. Don't touch the silver. Don't touch all the materialistic stuff that's really tempting because I'm consecrating that for me, for the house of the Lord. Everything else is yours. So the very next chapter, look what happens. They, listen, watch this, guys. I want you to set a backdrop. They just experienced one of the greatest victories in their life. Think about the last time you battled for a long time. Come on. You, you wrestled for a long time. You contended for a long time, and you finally got that breakthrough. There is a tendency to take it easy after a fight because you're tired. Right after this victory, look at what happened in chapter 7, verse 1, all right? But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan, say Achan, had stolen some of the dedicated things to the Lord that was very, so the Lord was angry with the Israelites. Achan, the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out Ai. In other words, so this was happening, but they still were going through the motions. They're about to go to Ai. By the way, Ai was a city in a town that had 12,000 inhabitants, real small. Now, there's a principle that I'm going to give. There's two main principles I'm going to share this morning, all right? So uh, they, they, they went to spy out Ai uh, near, near Bethel, near Bethvan. When they returned, they told Joshua, watch this, watch this. There's no need for all of us to go up there. There's a, there's a prophetic sign here. There's no need to gear up, to get all amped up for that little city. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai since there's so few of them. Don't make, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. So they approximately sent 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were absolutely and soundly defeated. Wait, these were the people that God by his power just knocked down insurmountable walls without any hands. By just a shout, the angel of the Lord was on their side. The very next chapter, they go to a city that only had 12,000 people in there, and they say, don't even take the whole army. Take a few. Don't weary them. And they lost. Look what happened. This is where I'm going to speak this morning. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gates as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 uh, men who were retreating from the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and they encouraged, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothes in dismay, threw dust in their heads, and bowed down to the face of the ground before the ark of the Lord in the evening. And then you fast forward uh, to uh, verse 10. I love this, because this is, I say gangster a lot, but this, the Lord is just in the midst, in the midst of, <laughs> have you ever had the Lord interrupt your, 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 your pathetic cry? I say pathetic. I'm not trying to be um, rude. But I'm saying, have you ever had the Lord say, say, hey, what are you doing crying? Get up. And you're feeling sorry for yourself, and you're crying, and boo, everything is wrong with your life. Everyone's talking about you. Everyone, everything you think is going wrong, and you're crying. <laughs> this is hilarious. Look what, but the, he, he's crying. He's tearing his clothes. Joshua's like, what's going on, Lord? You just made us have victory over there, and the walls came down, and now we're just losing. But the Lord said, get up. <laughs> I love that. I can almost see Joshua going, ah, get up. Huh? The Lord says, get up. In other words, stop crying. There's a reason why the enemy was, watch this, strengthened in your life. Woo. 
Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I have commanded them to set apart for me. And they have not only stolen, but they have lied about it and began uh, their own things. Look up at me. What I want to talk to you about today is the landmine of compromise. The landmine of compromise. Why I call it landmine? Because no one willingly steps into a landmine. <laughs> wow, look at that explosive. They walk in territory that they're not supposed to walk in, especially after great victories because they let their guard down. And here's the thing that I want to talk to you about. Because in this chapter, in the story of Joshua, illustrates the dangers of compromise. Watch this. Please listen to this. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. And overconfidence in self-knowledge and past experience and past victories. If we are not careful, our past victories could cause us to put our walk with God on neutral because we just came from a very good, powerful experience, or we just got victory over a six-month prayer battle that we've been praying for something, and we just take it easy. And there's right after the walls came out, there was two main things that happened in this story. There was compromise because the, desi- the, the desire for, for materialistic things approached them and pulled aching away, and then there was self-confidence. There was self-confidence because they did no longer trust in the Lord fully. They trust in themselves because they said, hey, I only have 12,000 people. Let's only do 3,000. There's no way that they're going to defeat good old powerful Israelites. We have to be careful that you, you can get far in your own strength and your own knowledge and your own experience. You could. But the moment you rely on your own strength to continue to fight the enemy, you will lose all the time. The moment you say, you know what, I got this. I've been here before. I don't need to, to spend time in the world like I used to. And then the force of your devotion starts slipping, and then where compromise comes. So here's, here's what we need to be thankful for. We need to be thankful for the victories. We need to be thankful for our past uh, 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 struggles that we overcame. But if, we don't, uh, if we're not careful, we will slowly start taking it easy and, and loosening the force of our devotional life. And when that happens, we lower our convictions. Listen, you know how compromise starts? Compromise usually never starts with big sins. Never. Compromise always starts very small, undetected. That's why the enemy has success in the church because we're looking to open big things for, for, for our disobedience when compromise usually begins with small little errors in our thought life, small little deviations in our decisions, and it comes to this where we end up compromising in areas we never thought we would compromise, and then we ask ourselves, how in the world did I end up in this place spiritually? It's like you wake up one day and you're like, how in the world did I get into this mess? It was little teeny decisions of deviating away from devotions, deviating away from prayer, deviating from things, and banking on two things. Banking on your past victory and your past strength, and then allowing those desires that remain unchecked to dominate you. Do you know, I've said this before, but I'll say it again for those who don't hear here, to, to, to my shock, when I did a study years ago, Rat poison is only 10% strychnine poison. The rest is 90% of it is edible drinking water, liquid. But it's the 10% strychnine that kills you, not the 90% good water. 
And so if we only focus on, watch this. The enemy will convince us that when we compromise, it's not going to do hardly any damage to us. So we get away with little compromises, and this is what happened to Joshua. It happens very subtle and very slowly, and the compromise then could bring us into a downward spiral of spiritual catastrophe. Little by little, this is what happened in the story of Joshua. Joshua just had a great victory. Let me pause and say this. Be very careful after you have been used by God in a mighty way. Hear, hear me. Be very careful when God's spirit begins to use you and, be, and when, you, when you experience great breakthroughs at, for over long battles. Because there's a tendency in our lives to take it easy because the battle is rough and so we, de- we deserve a break. And what happens when we take that break, we become open to offense. We become open to bitterness. We become open to desires of things that will cause us to compromise. You know that full-blown sin doesn't start with full-blown sin. It starts with a little compromise. And, and he, I want to point out to you something very powerful about this story. It wasn't 10 people that stole. It wasn't 20 people and all of Israel got affected. It was one person. And all of Israel. Now, I know that's Old Covenant, but there's a principle that I'm trying to say. If you have little Achans in your life, and then just maybe one little Achan, come on, somebody. We've got to identify the little spiritual Achans in our life that are seeking the desires for carnality or revenge or, or position. And if we don't deal with that, our whole body could be messed up. One person named Achan messed it up for the armies of the Lord that were, and they didn't even do anything. I want to pause and say this. This may be a little controversial for you guys, but just hear me out for a second. We are sons and daughters of God, and we are teaching identity. But let me tell you something. Don't think that your decisions that lead to sin only affect you. I'm going to preach this side because, because this side is not saying amen. We've always been taught, well, it's my sin and my sin alone. Let me do what you want. Do you realize that when you are, are purposely disobedient, little by little to the Lord, it affects your marriage? Okay, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me just say this. What, what if you are, if nobody knows, and it's just you and the Lord and the enemy, and you're struggling with pornography, and yet nobody knows, and you say, well, nobody knows, I'm going to repent, and yes, God will forgive you, but guess what? It's going to affect the way you look at your wife or the way you look at your husband. Come on, somebody. It may be just a little thing that you're struggling with, but it's, but it's going to affect the way you view your leaders or your pastor. It may, be, it may be an incident that happened to you, and then all of a sudden you look at that person that you used to love and respect with different lenses. Don't tell me that your struggle only affects you. It affects people around you. Aiken was grabbed something and compromised, and then Israel got defeated soundly. And I'm here to tell you the timing. Write this down. Write this down. Write this down. The timing of compromise usually comes in two, more more than two. But in my experience, and I didn't read a book about this, only the the scriptures of, 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 and my life, the timing of compromise comes, number one, the timing comes, say timing. The timing of compromise usually comes after great battles are won. After great victories. People that just went through the journey weekend, listen to me very well. Not just the participants, but also the leaders. 
You're depleted because you gave out. It's important that you be refilled. It's important that you replenish because you, if you give out more than you're taking in, it's a recipe for temptation. And those of you who went to the journey weekend or any type of weekend, it's, it's, it's even biblical. The Bible says the enemy waits until the, 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 the demons leave and then, and then they wait until an opportune time. Now watch. The timing of compromise, A, comes when after great victories and battles make you and I subliminally say, let's not go hard after that anymore. I just battled. You know what? It's just, if you're, if you're, like, if you're like me when it comes to physical stuff, uh, if you worked, if you've been fasting for six days or a month and you worked out, you know what? On the 30th day, you're like, I want to throw down. I deserve a break. I'm going to have two cakes and three apple pies because I just fasted for 30 30- <laughs> There's something inside of you that says, I deserve this. That's the nature of compromise. I deserve this. You deserve to be mad at your pastor. Look what they did. They didn't even acknowledge you. You deserve it. That's, that's a trick. That's a lie of the enemy. You, you deserve to be mad at your family. You, you deserve it. Watch this. Here's the second time. Here's the second timing when, when compromise comes. Are you ready? You better listen to me because I want to set you free here. The timing of compromise comes, A, after great battles are won. And victories, just like Joshua. And number two, when someone says or does something to hurt you. When someone says something or does something that is hurtful to you, that's when the temptation of compromise comes. No, think about backsliders. Do you think someone that has a thriving relationship with Jesus, wakes, and they're crying, and they're loving on God, and they're, they're opening the scripture, and they're burning, and they're, saying, and they're leading people to the Lord. Do you think the next day they say, how can I backslide tomorrow? How can, I mean, do you think a thriving person with a thriving relationship with God wakes up thinking, how can I backslide tomorrow? They don't. What happens is the timing of compromise when, we're, when we take for granted what got us to a certain place and we don't keep our devotionals right, then after great victories, after God used, I, I know I've experienced it before, after God used me in a mighty way, I, I felt like years ago, after God used me in such a powerful way, I would be th- preaching for three days, I'm like, man, I need to take a break. You know, my, 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 my devotions could happen for a little, little later, and that little later never came. If we're not careful, we will operate on yesterday's bread. That's why the Bible, Jesus said, give me this day my daily bread. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. That means as powerful as the bread was yesterday, I need hot, fresh bread today. It don't matter how great the weekend was yesterday, baby. You need a great encounter today. You need to be continually filled with the Spirit. Keep going back to the Lord. The second way that compromise comes, watch this. I'm going to heal you. Be very aware at the subtle tendencies that the enemy uses people with their words and with their actions because when they hurt you, it will be a recipe for you to give in to compromise. Think about things. Okay, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. This just came to me. Think about the times when you compromise in your life. Either A, you neglected the devotions of God. B, you convinced yourself the little small thing that you did is not going to really hurt that bad. Or C, it came right after a major disappointment in your life. Where you felt a, how do I say this, entitlement to compromise. I'm entitled to feel this way because of hurt. And people don't understand me. Here's the thing about identity is that when you and I are 
in our identity in Christ, hear me, hear me now very well, nothing could really offend us. We become unoffendable and we'll start, we'll start looking at things in a pure way instead of a tainted way because of the fact that we know who we are in Christ. And it doesn't matter if that person told us that we're nothing or that we're, we're, we're less spiritual than what we know we put our, that work in. If someone ever tells me, you know what, I just think that you're just not really praying enough. If I didn't know who I was or, or if someone says to me, you know what, you're not being really effective because there's some empty chairs. I used to get my identity by the empty chairs. I no longer get my identity by the, by the empty chairs. Because I'm just as effective praying with empty chairs or praying with people that are full house. I don't get my identity by people. The, the moment I do, then I will lose who I am and I'll lose my freedom. Can I hear an amen? Watch. Joshua. I see two stories here in Joshua. They were, they were, they were they compromised in their life by letting down their guard, and they were overconfident. I'm going to talk about overconfidence for a second. Overconfidence means you're putting more banking on your own strength and your own experience and your own gifting than you are your relationship with God. It is possible to operate even successfully for a while off your knowledge, off your reserve tank of knowledge, and off of your gifting. But that will run away very soon. As a matter of fact, there will come a point in your life where you realize you face the toughest temptation in your life that your gifting cannot save you at all. Do you know, I, I love what, what Jesus said when the devil came to him. That, I have a breakdown of identity that in so many angles. But when Jesus, Jesus didn't say, listen, I could, I could, I could do this if I want to. And when, they, when, he had, when they got threatened by his identity, he he is the word, and he used the word to defeat the enemy. How much more us weak human beings? Jesus, being the scriptures, used the scriptures to defeat the enemy. In other words, he never let his guard down. He could have said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move by my past experience. You know what? I, devil, I just fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. There's power coming out of me right now, man. He didn't do that. He used the scriptures. So, what do I say? I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. Um, I didn't have enough time to get to the screens. But your compromise, or you could say my compromise, strengthens the hand of the enemy concerning my life. My compromise strengthens the hand of the enemy in my life. Have you ever been to the point where you said, how in the world did I get bound to this? Right? Right? How, you, you look at something, and then t six months later, you're like, how in the world, why am I so addicted to this now? Why am I addicted to approval? Why am I addicted to, to lust? Why am I addicted? Because it starts little by little. I, I, I read a news article years ago that blew my mind about a whale. Any, any fishermen here? Any people like to fish? Wow, there was just like three people. Hey, Amen. We got a bunch of urban people here, uh, you know, like me, city boys, city people. Well, I don't know how to fish that much, but there's a lot of people that love to fish. And I saw an article years ago that read this. Huge whale goes to its demise by trying to feed off of little fish. Well, little fish are in the shallow end, right? I could prophesy on that. If you're just, if you're just trying to eat shallow stuff, you're, gonna, you're, you're going to not last very long, right? 
Well, the whale was so hungry that it went into shallow territory to try to chase little fish when there were bigger fish in the deep sea uh, ocean. And guess what happened? It fell to its demise because it, when it went to the, to, the, to the shallow end to try to chase the little fish, it couldn't get back up to the deep end and it, and it, and it, and it drowned. And it couldn't, it couldn't go back. It drowned. There's a prophetic story of that. If we are allowing the little things that we think is little, you know why we're not paying attention to them? Because the enemy convinces us that it's little. And because it's little, we say it's no big deal. But I'm here to prophesy to you lovingly. It's time to say what we, don't, what we say is not a big deal as a big deal. So what, what, why am I saying this? Because there's two things. Number one, there's, although we're sons and daughters in Christ, our willful compromise say compromise, and disobedience carries a consequence. Do you know that you could be a son and a daughter of Christ, and if you're compromised, if you're willingly compromising, there comes a sacrifice? Let me give you a little, let me give you a little uh, modern-day example so you know uh, uh, what. Uh, and I want you to talk back to me. I want you to, I, never, I usually never do this in a, in a sermon, but all right. If someone kills somebody in, in our society, all right, they kill someone. And, and they just, just lost it. They lost it. They got angry. They killed someone or they, they harmed someone very badly, all right, uh, where they violated the law. And they ask for forgiveness. Does God forgive them? I can't hear you. Does God forgive them? If they truly humble themselves, ask forgiveness, as if it never happened, right? Do they still go to jail? That doesn't make forgiveness invalid. That doesn't make you less of a son. It just makes you suffer the consequences for your own decisions. And I think what we have preached in the church is that just because we're sons and daughters of Christ, that we have no consequences in our lives. If you have sex before marriage and then you mess up and you say, Lord, I am so sorry, and you repent and God truly forgives you, the consequence may be you may have a baby out of wedlock. That doesn't mean God didn't hear you. That didn't mean God for A lot of people, they get offended and go, well, look, I'm in jail. Look, man, they're pregnant. I ask God for forgiveness. No, that you're experiencing the consequence of your decisions. God still forgives you. But we've bought a lie that just because we're sons and daughters of Christ that we no longer have any consequence for our decisions. We have major consequences. Joshua was, their identity was victorious. He said, I will be with you all the days of your life like I was with Moses. Yet one man coveted something and started compromising. I want to read a quote to you, if that's okay. Uh, how many of you know Charles Stanley? Good old Charles Stanley. I love Charles Stanley. One of the quotes that he said uh, about, about those who overcome compromises says this. He says, he said, the non-compromiser has a clear sense of direction in life. And Watch this. Oh, this, to me, this is powerful. He said, and the non-compromiser is governed by principle rather than preference. They're governed by principle. In other words, they have, they have pillars that they will not violate, non-negotiables. To me, you know what a non-negotiable is? So I won't compromise. Now, look, you may see I'm old-fashioned, but I'm just trying to live right. I will not, unless it's an emergency, I will not be by myself for long periods of time in a car or in a, a restaurant with a female that's not my wife. 
See, in this millennial age, like, oh, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, just let's, just, let's just go out and have lunch. No, there's nothing wrong with that from a pure heart. But I don't want to open up a door of compromise in any way, shape, or form. So what I do is I guard myself. Now, if we do, we'll go in groups and we could talk. But me meeting by myself at a restaurant at 8 o'clock at night with a female is, to me, is not going to look right. And you, may, and you know what? Nothing may ever happen. And 99.9% of the time, nothing will happen. But you know what? There's room that you've given for compromise in that area. Right? Can I hear an amen? And so why, why do I say that? Because in those instances, I'm ruled by principle, not by preference. There's a, there's a, there's a, a preference. And this is something else that I, that I wrote down is this. Uh, for example, when honesty has been breached, truth has been breached in any form, then it becomes easy to stop upholding honesty in the future. Do you hear what I just said? When truth or honesty is breached, then it becomes easier not to be honest in the future. Did, did you just hear that? So here's the danger of compromise. The more we give in to compromise, the easier it is the next time around to give in to compromise. Man, I'm preaching good here. I could tell some husbands are going, some wives are going, you better listen. <laughs> they have that face like, mm-hmm. <laughs> amen. Can I hear an amen? Compromise always begins with small carnal decisions that convince us that it's not going to do us any harm. And it's camouflaged by convincing them that it's not a big deal. I want you to, to see this. There's a person, there's a person in the Bible that was righteous. And he was King David. Uh, actually, I want the worship team to come up here because I'm, I'm almost done. The worship team, you could come up here. I want you this morning to pay attention of the landmine and the danger of two things. The danger of compromise right after a great victory is won in you. A great battle is won with you. And then number two, overconfidence in yourself, in your self-strength. Look, look at this. Look at this. Some of the people that I have seen fall the hardest, can I just be honest with you guys? You guys allow me to be honest with you? Some of the people who fall the hardest are the people that can quote Scripture from left and right because they're operating on their knowledge instead of a fresh relationship daily with the Lord. Some of the people I've seen fall the, the, the hardest are people that grew up in the church. So overconfidence suggests that we can coast off based of our victories. Now, now watch this. I want you to look at 2 Samuel 11. I'm almost done because I'm skipping a lot because we started late. How many are getting something this morning? 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. I know we're all tired. I can feel in the rooms. Some of you guys are like, amen. <laughs> Turn to someone and say, wake up. <laughs> Come on, I need your amen this morning. I need Sister Linda here. Linda, the Amen. She's on vacation. There you go. Let's take a look at an example of a righteous king who fell into compromise. By the way, I want to say this to you. I want to say this to you. A righteous king named David, who was not a beginner, who was not a novice, he, I want you to see how he compromised. See, the, the question this morning is not that compromise will come because it will try to come. It's when does it come and how do we yield to it? Are you ready for this? So what's the timing? Let's review. The timing of compromise comes when right after great battles or when we're used mightily by God. Be careful. Be careful 
a day or two or a week after you've been used by God. I'm just prophesying to some of you. I don't know who this means. Who this means? Be careful when you've been used by God in a mighty way or you just experienced a long battle breakthrough. Be careful. Be diligent. Be wise. Be, be fervent the following days after and don't coast. Resist the temptation to coast because that's what happened to Joshua. It wasn't five hours. I'm sorry, five weeks later. It was immediately after. As a matter of fact, the Bible says as they were raiding Jericho, this happened. They were raiding Jericho, and God gave them that city, and there was compromise in the midst of victory. The second time compromise comes is when someone says or does something that's harmful to you. Now, when I mean harmful to you, it may not be directly to you. It may be to your son, or you watch injustice to your son or your daughter, and it starts hurting you. Guess what happens then? Compromise starts to sneak up and say, go ahead and compromise and Say a little bit of what's on your mind and maybe punch them. <laughs> you laugh, but you know you jokers do think that all the time. Think like you act like you have a halo on your head. Yeah, I know you want to say something sometimes to those person that cut you off on I-4. Most of you are like, God bless the Lord. I almost got in a crash and flipped over. Praise the Lord. Are you ready for this? Look at, look at 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. Now, I want to remind you, we're talking about righteous King David. We're talking about a man who is mature. We're talking about the Bible says he's a man after my own heart. What a title. He's a man after my own heart. Now, watch what, watch what the Bible says about good old righteous David. I only say that because some of us think that compromise comes to carnal people only. <laughs> To, to lukewarm people only. Compromise will come to the righteous if we let it. NLT, in the spring of the year, are you with me? When kings normally go out to war. Last time I checked, David was a king. When kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab an Israelite army to fight the Amorites. They destroyed the Amorite army and laid siege of the city of Rab uh, Rabab. Now watch this. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. That, that right there, before I even read anything, that should be warning signs. Wait a minute. Ooh, I feel the Holy Spirit all over me right now. You know the third time, the third way compromise comes? Being at the wrong place at the wrong time. When kings go out to battle, David stayed home. I don't even have to read the rest of the story, even though I, I'm going to read it, to figure out that something is wrong with this picture. When kings, it's like, it's like in the year of spring, when pastors go to conferences, George stayed home. Could, I mean, imagine that. Or... In, in the time when football players go to practice, the quarterback stayed home. What do you think is going to happen to that quarterback? Now watch what happened. This is righteous King David who should have been in another place in war, but he stayed home. Let me pause and say something prophetic. When you drift off into a place where you're not supposed to be, the temptation becomes much stronger to resist. That's why I don't put myself in the position to make it easier for the devil. 
You may call me religious, you may call me that, but I'm just calling it holy and sane in my mind and honoring my wife. That was a good place to say amen. You could be millennial all you want. Hey, I'll meet with you. Bring your people, bring your, you know, I'll bring my staff, we'll bring your staff, I'll meet with you. But if you're going to meet with me at 10 o'clock at night, and you want to meet by myself with me, and you're, you're a, 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 a female, that's just not going to happen. And, I, and don't get mad at me. I just don't. Then you say, well, nothing's going to happen. You're right, and nothing will happen. But how about your reputation? How about if someone sees you, and they know who you're married to? Come on, somebody. And, and see, perception is reality just to those, and their hearts give. That's why Paul the Apostle says, don't do anything by which a weaker person is made to stumble. So you're sitting there and you're laughing. You may be just talking about ministry. like. <laughs> and all of a sudden, someone at 10 o'clock, they drive, they drive like, hey, that's so-and-so and so-and-so. Aren't they married with so-and-so? And from the outside, you guys look like you're just having a romantic dinner. Now you say, now you, PG, you're going a little overboard. No, it's being at the right place at the right time and the wrong place at the wrong time. David was not supposed to be in Jerusalem. He was supposed to be out to war. Can I just say something? If David would have obeyed the timing of where he was supposed to be, he would have been in war and he would have had no room to, to look at Bathsheba. He would have never noticed her bathing naked. Look at what the Bible says. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Put that up again. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, again, he was not supposed to be there. Hear me? You hear me? David got out of bed, was walking, righteous King David, by the way, was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told, watch this. This is, this is what temptation does. It makes, you, it makes you look at something that is clearly sin and convince you, maybe that's not so bad. This is what, if I can sum up my whole message, is this. Compromise will make you think that something that is blatantly wrong, it's not really that bad. Right? Look, watch this. Uriah, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, and the wife. Everybody say wife. The wife. He, he didn't have a hearing problem. He heard that really good. The wife of Uriah. In other words, she is married and he's loyal to you. They're both loyal to you. You would think, oh, she's married? No, not, let, let's not do that. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. You all know what that means. She had, she had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message, I'm pregnant. Now, this is David. Now, I don't want to read the whole story because of time. He later repented as a prophet pointed him out, Nathan, all right? He laid on the floor. Some people have a problem with what I'm about to say, but this is what, what I'm just quoting the scripture. He laid on the floor. He repented. God forgave him. But his first child was a stillborn and it died. Read the scriptures. It was a consequence for, for this, his decision. Now, I'm talking about righteous King David, not novice David, not I just got saved David. I'm talking about mature king, reading the scriptures, quoting half of the Psalms, David. Do you see what I'm talking about here? 
we've got to always know who we are in Christ, but we also have to be diligent to guard our heart. I'm going to ca- give you a couple of scriptures that I'm going to close, all right? Some popular scriptures that I did actual the, the Greek and the Hebrew meaning of it, all right? Well, I wish I had more time. I could share you in Luke how, where Jesus said, when those of you say, oh, take it easy, I'll take it easy, and, and I'll just drink and be merry, and Jesus said, you fool. Who's going who's gonna to watch over the things you own now? The Lord called him a fool for just saying, take it easy, right? Look at Proverbs 4, verse 23. Are you getting something this morning? I'm almost done. Just give me two, two or three more minutes. I'm going to leave you with some scriptures that we're going to pray. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to come against the little achings of our life. We're going to identify them, and we're just going to pray that God's going to give us victory because he already has. Now, if we open a door, we just got to close it. That's all. It's simple. I was telling my brother Kevin the other day, we were having a conversation. Sin is not, like, sin is not floating around somewhere. There's not this mystical black cloud. Oh, there's sin. Whoa, get away. Let's get away. Let's go that way because there's a sin. No, sin is already defeated. We awaken sin by our decisions. I'm, I'm going to get down here and preach for a second here. Where does sin abide? Have you ever asked that? Is, is, is sin like this cloud that is somewhere and I guess all over the world? Oh, my God, we're, we're a, a cloud of sin. We're no longer under sin. We're, the Bible says we're no longer under sin. How does sin awaken by our decision? You say, how do you get that? James. James says, no, listen, when you, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his, what? By his own desires and enticed. And when enticement gives birth, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is birth, it gives birth to death. So that means we birth sin by our decisions because sin is already conquered at the cross. If we believe that there's some mystical power pulling, oh, I just can't, help me, Lord, what's going on? The force of sin. No, it's the force of your flesh. Because greater is he that's in me than he was in the world. Because if, 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 we, if that's not true, then, then we ha- serve a defeated Christ, if that's true. If sin has more power, I want to prove it to you. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Watch this. Proverbs, I just got a little preaching moment there. Sorry about that. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Are you ready? Look up on the screen. Proverbs 4, verse 23 in NLT. Guard your heart above all else against worry, against compromise. For it determines the course of your life. Now, everyone in this room who's been saved probably for more than two years have read that scripture and and already memorized it. You're like, okay, give me some deep. This is deep. You know the word guard? Some of you don't know this. I looked at the word guard in the Hebrew. You know when it says guard your heart above all else, for out of it flows the issues of life? I read the Hebrew word for guard, and it means to keep a close eye on, I'm reading it, to persevere, guard from dangers, guard with fidelity as a watchman watches over the city. Now watch this. This is what I freaked out. As a guard patrolling a prison to make sure no one gets out. That's what that word guard means. Guard means I am going to make sure that I always keep my eye on the condition of my heart. Guard your heart like an officer guards a prison. Oh my God. That could preach right there. Guard your heart as a police officer guards the prison doors. 
Think about that. Do we really do that? That's how you avoid compromise. The any, the, the, look at the last scripture. Very, very, very popular. And then I'm going to close. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And then we're going to pray. Put it up there. New King James. Again, very popular. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because you're at now. Oh, wait. I want to pause. This is really good. This is New Testament. This is after resurrection. For those of you thinking that I'm, you know, I'm trying to focus on the devil or focus on darkness, I'm not focusing on that. This, is, uh, this was written after Jesus resurrected in the New Testament under the covenant of grace. This is what Peter said to us and to the people. He said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, watch this, seeking who he may devour. That means that the devil can't devour just anybody. That means that the devil can't devour just any Christian. He only begins to devour the Christian that gives him permission to do so. He says he seeks who he may devour. That word may is a conditional word. That means we give him power. That means it's a possibility that the devil cannot go to certain people that have their doors closed, who is guarding their heart. Why? When Jesus is on the earth... He said, my time of departure at hand. Watch this. I'm closing with this. Look, I prove it to you. Close that. <laughs> he said, the time of my departure is at hand. Watch this. I used to struggle with this scripture years ago. And the tempter of the world has come and has found nothing in me. I used to say, Lord, what are you talking about? You never were in bondage. You never, you, you, why do you mean, what do you mean the devil can't find anything in you? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I never Open the door for the enemy for him to accuse or go back to to find any holes that I opened before in my life. I know this sounds really super spiritual what I'm about to say, but the enemy never opened the door once to the devil. Wow. Not once. There was not one time that Jesus fell into lust. There was not one time that he said, let me just try this and get a little high for a little bit and no one will know, my father won't know, for, 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 for one minute. Not one time. If he would have, he would have been defeated. What am I saying? You're saying, PG, you're preaching perfection. No, I'm not preaching perfection. I'm preaching authority. I'm preaching freedom and I'm preaching the dangers of compromise. Every one of us in this room has an aching in your mind and in your emotions that you're struggling with. Maybe it's two or three, but some of you have just one. But that aching, that little aching that you're allowing to run free in your mind and in your emotions could be the very cause of the defeat and the strength of the enemy in your life. You know what we're going to do today? We're going to pray and go to war by faith, closing any doors that compromise have caused us or overconfidence. Please hear me. Don't take your walk with the Lord lightly. The Bible is not giving any credit to the devil, but he did say, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Why would he say that? Why would the Lord say that through Peter if we didn't have, if, if, if the enemy was not capable of bringing destruction to those who let him? But those who don't, he is powerless. I said he's powerless. Can I hear an amen? 
So today, like Joshua, we're going to get things right. I want us to stand up. We're going we're, we're gonna, to, listen, take our spiritual achings, and we're going to go to war prayerfully against compromise in our lives. Whatever it is that's caused you to tr- compromise, we're going to worship in just a minute here. But I want everyone to listen to me, because I feel this from the Lord. The timing when compromise comes, I'm going to recap because I believe this is going to be, set some of you free. Number one, the timing when you've won a big battle. Maybe there's a group of you in here that just got finished being used by God in a powerful way. Or you just won a powerful battle in the Lord. Or you just got experienced a powerful breakthrough. Here's my word for you. Don't let your guard down. Pray like you used to pray when you were fighting those battles. Read like you used to breathe. Secondly, the second group of people I'm talking to is people that have been hurt by words or hurt by actions against you. Because you are now a recipient that you could start compromising because of that. And the third group of people that I'm talking to are those of you who may be venturing off in the wrong place at the wrong time. When kings are supposed to go out to battle, you stayed behind. When you're supposed to go to church, you stayed bored, and boredom caused you to open up things that you didn't want to open up to. When you were supposed to, uh, to, 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 to get to the right relationships, but you didn't like that relationship, so you opened yourself up to a wrong relationship because you're lonely and you're desperate, then that loneliness will cause you to trip up. Come on, lift up your hands right now. Come on. We're going to close and we're going to ask God for victory in this area. Come on. All over this place. I want us to realize the right place at the right time. If someone has hurt you or right after a great victory, I want you to, to go to war with the Aikens of your life right now. Come on, identify them in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.